than a week here too. Oh, let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter number 7. Matthew chapter number 7. <coughs> As we do so. July 17th, 1938, Pilot Douglas Gross Corrigan took off from Brooklyn's Floyd Bennett Field and he carried two chocolate bars, two boxes of fig bars, a quart of water, and a U.S. map with the route from New York to California marked out. His goal was to fly nonstop from New York to California. Uh, Corrigan took off in, in his modified Curtis Robin. It was a uh, foggy morning. He flew uh, into the haze, disappeared. 28 hours, he landed not in California, but in Dublin, Ireland. He instantly became a national hero because it was a feat that everyone said could not be done, but from henceforth he was known as Wrongway Corrigan. I read that and I think, my goodness, what a fitting illustration. Because I go, hmm, a couple of you go, well, he could pick on my GPS skills at that point and how easy it is to get lost. Uh, others I could pick on and say, you know what, we know how to derail and get off track. We could go down there. But I want you really to notice something here in, in the... Uh, Jesus, nearing the end of his Sermon on the Mount, talks about the danger of going the wrong way. He, uh, he speaks of going the, the danger of going the wrong way, and each of us is either going the right way or the wrong way. It all depends on uh, uh, using the analogy that Jesus gives, which gate we have gone through. Which gate have we gone through? And in uh, the closing of the Sermon on the Mount, he gives a series of contrasts. He talks about two gates, two trees, and two houses. So today we're going to look at the two gates. One's very narrow, the other's very broad. Uh, one is very popular gate, the other is entered in by few. And we'll see which one a person enters makes an eternal difference makes an eternal difference. So uh, we'll look at the two gates and we'll draw three lessons from the gates. And the first one is, is the first lesson reminds us the division of all mankind. There's a, there's a division of all mankind. Jesus talked about these two gates and he thought about all of mankind in one of two groups. And we often divide people in, into groups uh, due to uh, ethnicity or, or nationality or color of skin, social standing, education. But when it came to dividing people, Jesus used either uh, neither of those factors or none of those factors. Uh, he divided people on the basis of spiritual standards. On the basis of spiritual standards. We see the division of all mankind in the words many in verse 13 and in the, words, uh, and in, in the word few in verse 14. See, every person in the, in the, in the scripture we, we walk through and every person is either one or the other, either one of the many or one of the few. And so we're going to jump in and we're going to begin to read in chapter number 7, verse number 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Verse 14, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. And we look at those two uh, two verses and we go, hmm, 
Isn't it interesting, the division of mankind and the words many and few, uh, how quickly they, they come off the page to see that uh, there. And as, as we look at the division, let's notice the group identified by the word many, first of all. Those that have rejected Jesus, the many Jesus spoke of are those that have never been saved, never invited the Lord into their heart to be their Lord and Savior. And the word many would imply that the majority of the world are in that class. In that class, according to the world population clock, the uh, population of the world stands at 6,577,000,000 and something else. A sad and tragic fact is the majority of the 6.5 billion people uh, are unsaved. Let's do that and uh, put that in there. And this crowd is made up of, of, of many kinds. You, you look and it was made up of depraved people among the crowd were those that uh, favored pleasures of sin and they followed the paths of sin. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul spoke of those who walk according to the course of this world. Uh, they walk according to the course of this world and, and do the things of, of this world and uh, according to the prince and the power of the air, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And uh, according to CBS News and World Report, more than $10 billion is spent each year in the United States on adult entertainment and pornography. A tremendously ugly amount. You look at it and you go, wait a minute here. In the U.S., there is more than $128 billion spent on alcoholic drinks, and our society is marked by indulgence, sensuality, and immorality. It's the course of this world in which we live, a course in which filling the desires of the flesh and of the mind are, are dominant. This, this crowd that uh, many are going, you look, this crowd's made up of decent people, not everybody in the crowd. Uh, is uh, sin and, and pleasure crazy? Many in, in the majority are, are good, honest, moral, decent people, but some of the finest people you'll, you'll ever meet are in the group. They're, they're hardworking, good neighbors, outstanding citizens. We look, there are good people that are just, they're lost. And this crowd's made up of, of deceived people. It may surprise some, but many in, in the crowd are even religious. I find that even more amazing because you classify them as deceived because although religious, they're not saved. Jesus said in Matthew 7 21 that not everyone that comes to him and says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody's going to make it. As, we, uh, as we'll consider in the future study, one, uh, one can be religious and not be saved. I, I found it really interesting this week at in, uh, in a conversation Heather actually had, she was telling me, and and uh, and somebody was telling her of of how it is their their practice uh, in in uh, their church for for salvation. And Heather says, uh, "You mean the babies?" And she they said, "Yes." And how does an adult? Bethany knows she was there. She says, "How does an adult come to know Christ as Savior?" And here's the pastor's wife's answer: They don't. And I thought, where's the hope? Jesus died on a cross that we would have hope, that we'd have eternal life. Where's the grace and the mercy of Almighty God? Lord, help us to preach the truth of the gospel. <laughs> Heather was kind of funny because she had to express that. And she goes, how do you combat that? And uh, she said, we don't teach this part of the Bible. I said, don't teach this part of the Bible. 
I said, you might want to say, open up Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and, and help her understand. So let's go to the Gospel of John and see that these things are written that you might believe that he is the Christ, that he's the Son of a living God, that he is the Son of God, and that believing on him would give us eternal life. I just, I got all kinds of excited because I was like, oh my goodness, we need to write. And Heather goes, I needed you there. But not everyone is going to make it. You realize there are 19 major world religions which are subdivided into 270 large religious groups and many smaller ones. There are 34,000 separate Christian groups that have been identified in the world and I, I hope I'm not being judgmental, but when I say this, that many within those groups are unsaved, even with the title Christian attached to the name. And there are many which represent the majority of this world, the, the many who do not know the Lord Jesus as their Savior. And secondly, there's the few. We'll get off the negative, we'll get on the positive side, right? There's the few. Now, to speak of those that are saved as few does not mean that there are not many who are saved. On uh, one chart I saw, estimated 33% of the world's population, 2.1 billion, are Christian. The next close, uh, closest group is, is 21% are Islam. Christianity, the largest group in the world. Of course, the number includes, now hang on your seats as I include, when we, I was looking at statistics and realized who it includes. Ready? Here we go. It includes Catholics, Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, and other groups. Last time I checked, there's a few of those that don't preach the gospel. They don't preach the truth. And we can, cannot be absolutely certain so how many true Christians there are in the world, but no doubt the number will be in the millions. When Jesus referred to the few, he's referring to the minority. Only only heaven knows how many truly saved. And no doubt there are millions who have, have received Christ, who live in this world, yet they're part of the minority of the masses of this world. They, they are few compared to the many of this world. I'm thankful I can say I'm one of the few. I'm thankful I can say I'm one of the few. I, I remember as a young man, I, I, uh, my folks, uh, we had a friend... When we lived in upstate New York, my folks were still together. And I remember a gentleman by the name of Bob. Uh, Bob Clark's his name. And Bob would go, and they had a bi-level home. Any of you understand what I'm saying when I say bi-level home? And that lowest level of their home had a bathroom in it. And he always had a daily bread down there. Always had daily bread. I remember as a kid picking up his daily bread and reading it. I remember asking his son, Why, what is this? And he goes, that's my dad's devotion." My dad will come down and read read his Bible and he'll read his devotional and he'll talk to God down here. And I remember going, hmm. And I still, to this day, I think of Bob when I think of folks that have lived in, in the world in a different way as one of the few. I remember when I got saved, Bob, I invited Bob to church and, and uh, uh, Bob and his wife and, and uh, no, Something had hurt Bob and had gotten him out of church, and and uh, and I remember us encouraging him and inviting him to come, but no, never saw him in church, not one time. But I did watch Bob in his prayer life, in a daily time, 
with God. I don't know about you, but I settled the year the 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 uh, the matter many years ago. I remember it. I was talking with somebody here not too long ago. I got so excited. We're talking about salvation, and uh, two guys. Actually, I, I need to back up. I wasn't talking with somebody. Two gentlemen were talking. One guy was talking with the other one and said, I met the Lord, and he named the day. He named the day that he got saved, and I was so excited because he named the day, and I started going, wait a minute, i got to do some calculating here. And I went, that was two weeks, or a week, somewhere in there. I don't remember exactly. Different from the day that I come to know Jesus as Savior. And uh, I couldn't hardly, I'm standing there, I'm supposed to be doing my job, I'm looking at the building, and I uh, finished up, and I walked over to the gentleman before he left, and I said, hey, by the way, I want you to know something, you met Jesus, I met Jesus at the same time, same year, just a couple of days apart, and we stood there and talked about it for a couple of minutes, I said, I'm thankful, it's a pleasure to meet you, I'll look forward to seeing you in heaven if I don't see you again, and I, because, you know, what a great testimony. Uh, that, that he had there on the job and, and how exciting. But not only do we see in Jesus uh, a, a division of mankind, but we also see a, uh, the decision of all mankind. There are only two crowds. There's, there are two courses. Uh, the words enter ye in verse 13 call for a decision that's made on our part. The decision is between a broad way and a narrow way. Uh, I said earlier, every person here is either the many or the few. Well, as well, every person here, as, as well as in the world, has chosen either the broad or the narrow way. Which direction are we going and which, which one are we taking? So let's see these two ways for just a moment. First, the broad way, we see the easy way. Practically every major city has a broad street. There is the broad street of this world. I was chuckling as I was working on the message because I said, Broad Street Columbus. And I said, hmm. I wonder how many of you'd like to take a walk all the way to Broad Street, Columbus, from the west side to the east side. Most of you, if you don't know Broad Street in Columbus, then I'll just say this. Probably not a street that this crowd wants to walk down. Just reality. About the time you hit the hilltop, you have a 1 in 59 chance of getting shot before you made it out of the hilltop. That's a, I just think that's a funny statistic. came out in the news not too long ago. And I said, hmm, isn't that funny? Let's take the journey across Broad Street. How about if you go, I don't care what city you go to across America. Uh, so many of them have the name Broad Street. But uh, we look at it, and this way is broad. It's easy to travel. It is easy to travel. We look, and you go, it's easy. And therefore, Jesus said, as Jesus said, many there are that go in thereat. This is the, the way of the majority. To, to put it another way, it's the way of the world. It's the easy way. There's zero resistance. Oh, I can go down that road with no problem. Anybody like resistance? <laughs> no. Wide is the path. It's easy. There's no, it's not, you go, that's simple. It's, it's broad. It's wide. It's, it's, uh, it's way. It's open to anyone and anything. There are no restrictions on this Broadway. It's open to the religious as well as the atheist. It's open to the immoral as well as the moral. Well, try immoral again. But it's open to the defile, to the defiled as well as the decent, whoever or whatever is welcomed on this Broadway without any requirements or, 
or restrictions. There's, there's no requirements to, to travel this broad way. Matter of fact, Proverbs 14, 12 and, and, and chapter 16, verse 25 say, There's a way that seemeth right unto man. There's a way that seems right. It, it's wide open. Man, I think I'm doing a good thing. I'm going down the right way. I'm going down the path that seems right to me. Ever hear any of those statements? You look and you go, hmm, isn't that interesting that, that it's the path of the majority, not the minority. You, you look and, and one might feel their way is the right, another might feel their way is the right, but either case, all are welcome on this right way. We, we look and we go, there. the other way Jesus spoke of is totally opposite of the world. Instead of being a broad, wide open way. Now, I, I have to ask, some of you I know the answer to this, and I really think it's kind of funny. How many of you like to travel on the big roads? And how many of you like traveling on the country roads? See, I like to travel the country roads. My wife wants to get there. I like to, I don't mind, I don't mind. I, we were going over to, to visit the Curries. Some of you uh, uh, know the Curries, and we were headed over to the Curries, and and uh, they're over in Virginia, and you got to go through West Virginia to get there, right? And we all love that journey. I like to take that drive over there. And uh, But Heather goes, and she's taking the trip across there, and she's following the directions that Miss Melanie gave her. And somewhere, the GPS told her to take a right. She took the right and followed the directions of the GPS and not Miss Melanie. And next thing you know, we were on the narrow path. We were on a narrow path. And then she says, you drive. Up to that point, I had not driven. I was sitting in the passenger seat. I must confess, I was snoring. I was not minding the ride at all. Brother Brian will tell you that's what I do whenever I ride in the car. I do much snoring. And uh, that's what he'll, he, he, they like to stir it up. So here they are. I'll help you. And uh, so uh, here I am. We're, uh, I've been snoring, and I didn't realize what had happened. We got off the road. We got uh, off onto this narrow road, and we're going down through. And she goes, I don't like this way. Why? And she goes, because it's narrow. It's a two-lane road. And I said, all right, I'll drive. And we had just gotten that new traverse out there. Hadn't had it very long. And do you know that sits a little lower to the ground than the van did? It's got a little more engine than the van does. And it rides around those corners. Really, it's fun to drive. It was fun to drive. The van wouldn't have held the road near as well. And I get going through those hills, and I got I could see Heather's fingers turning white. Because she's hanging on. I slowed down a little bit. And she told me it wasn't enough. We get over there to the Curry's house, and... We're pulling in the driveway, and she tells me, you will not drive home. Because we went through the narrow pass up over the mountain and around those corners going up through there. They were red. Brother Tom, we get there, and I was joking with Tom. I said, we went the narrow way. And he goes, I know what way you went. That's a fun drive, isn't it? And I said, it really was. It was back and forth. And he goes, I'm sure Miss Heather's ready to kill you, though. And I said, well, I said, I hope there's a separate couch to sleep on. I might be in that kind of trouble. <laughs> he started laughing. But, you know, it's, it's funny because, you know, it's so much easier to go on those big roads, though, aren't it? Isn't it? 
so much easier when there's lots of lanes. I can choose. I can choose. I was teasing Heather the other day. We were on 270 coming around the city, and as we're taking that journey around the city, we're sitting there. I was in the passenger seat. See, I don't, still don't get to drive. And, uh, but I'm in the passenger seat, and there's a particular lane. I drive that road way too much in my work van. And those of you that have driven a work van across that road, you know there are certain lanes you don't want to be in. Because as you're going down that lane, you can't hear anybody on the phone. Because it shakes everything in my van. And it sounds like I'm inside a lot more truck than what I am. We're going down that road and Miss Heather's in that lane. She's in that lane. And we come up to it and I said, you might want to get in the next lane to the left. One lane. She goes, no. And she drives over the first set of bumps. It's like, oh Lord. I said, you might want to get in the left lane. <laughs> one lane over. You got five of them. Just one lane. That's all I need. One lane. And she says, I'm good. <laughs> right over the bumps again. And she says, no. I, I said, how about if you move over one and you won't hit all the bumps again? And she goes, we've passed all those bumps. I said, but there's more coming. And I said, you got a half a mile more before we're out of that. They patched those roads and they had left them, uh, didn't get enough base in there, I'm assuming. And, but you know what? Even with all those ride, all of those paths, all of those lanes, you know what? There's still a place that was not a smooth ride. We might look at it and go, you know what? Wide is the way. Wide is the way. Many there are. Now I want you to notice one other thing that's, that's as we go through. So broad is the way. And the other way is a narrow way. An eternal way. Jesus described this gate as being straight and being narrow. Being straight and narrow. Now I've been picking on Miss Heather's driving, so I might as well finish it before I, uh, so I get myself all the way buried before I get done. The other thing is, is Miss Heather does not like to be on the side of the mountain. I told you about the journey up there. She doesn't like to look over the side of the mountain. There's something about that journey she doesn't like. She doesn't like heights, so she doesn't like looking over the side of the mountain. She doesn't like those curves. When we were down in North Carolina, we were visiting with family one time, and, and uh, we were down there where the ski resorts are, and you had to go up and down the mountain. For some reason, we stayed an hour away and uh, by staying an hour away, we got to drive up the mountain and down the mountain, up the mountain and down the mountain. And I beat it a game before I was done. And uh, her brothers and I were trying to see who could get down the mountain and up the mountain. And they, uh, She didn't like that drive. Why? Because it wasn't straight. And I said, well, if you want me to go straight down the mountain, I'm sure there's a country road to go straight down the mountain. We found one. And we went straight down the mountain. I have to be honest. Miss Heather didn't like that road either. Because she told me to slow down on it too. But it's really kind of funny because the straight way, I don't quite understand it, but the straight way always seems to be the fastest. You ever thought about that when you travel? And yet at the same time, straight and narrow, the gate is not without restrictions and requirements because being straight is restrictive and being narrow has requirements. See, it's eternal way because it's God's way of salvation. The broad way 
there are different ideas. There are lots of opinions on how to get to heaven. On the Broadway, one will tell you that if you do good things for others, you get to heaven. On the Broadway, you're told that if you are religious, you'll get to go to heaven. On the Broadway, you are told that you, uh, if your good outweighs your bad, you'll get to go to heaven. On the Broadway, you're told that we're all God's children. Yet on the straight and narrow way, we're told there's only one way to be saved. And Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. There's no other name, there's no other way to be saved than through Jesus Christ. Jesus called himself the door. The door in John chapter 10 and verse number 9, Jesus is both the gate or the door to salvation. In this gate, we, uh, we uh, see God's requirement for salvation. The straight and the narrow gate has been described as a turnstile. I think it fits pretty good because it can only be entered one person at a time. The crowd may take the broad way, but the narrow gate requires a personal decision to receive the Lord and Jesus as one's personal Savior. And, and you can't go through the gate two by two. You have to pass through the gate personally. I can't go through because of somebody else. I go through on my own. I can't go through on my grandma's faith or my great-grandma's faith. I have to go through on my own. Here is the decision that faces all of mankind. Will you choose to take the broad way or the narrow way? The word enter in verse 13 is, is uh, an imperative tense, which means it, it speaks of a definite or a, a specific action on our part. It's called us, it calls us to make a decision. See, each person has to make a decision to go through the gate. Got to make the decision to go through the gate. Again, the decision is which gate will you go through? Which gate will you go through? See, our daily life is, is made up of, uh, of decisions. We make numerous decisions every day, such as what are we going to wear? What's my hair going to look like? There are some decisions that have a little bearing on life, whereas some decisions impact life greatly. The decision has eternal significance. It's, it's the most important decision we'll ever make in our life. See, a, a, a husband and, and wife prior to marriage decide they make all the major decisions and he'd make all the major decisions and she's, she's got the minor ones. After 20 years of marriage, he asked how the arrangement had worked. Great! In all these years, I've never had to make a major decision. You go, hmm. made all the decisions anyways I didn't sell that very good but in this case each person has to make a decision which gate will you enter which way will you take the broad or the narrow there's a reason why the decision is very important and the third one is it's the destination of all mankind there are two crowds two choices two consequences how you decide determines your eternal destiny Jesus talked about how the broad way leads to destruction, the narrow way leads to life. I want us to think about these two destinations. First, the broad way leads to a ruined life, destruction. It speaks of lost or that which is ruined. The broad way leads to spiritual ruin, ultimate consequences, 
uh, is an eternity without God. Eternal separation. See, in Luke chapter 16, the, the rich man had died, was buried, and in hell he lifted it up, his eyes being in torments. That's the decision of all those who take the broad way. That's the decision. Bertrand Russell, in uh, Why I Am Not a Christian, he wrote this. He says, I do not myself feel that any person who is profoundly human can believe in an everlasting punishment. I must say that I think all this doctrine, that hellfire is a punishment for sin, is a doctrine of cruelty. And there are many on the Broadway that would agree with Russell, but the simple fact is that there is a hell and it is a destination for all those who choose the broad road. And you know, I, I, I can't help but say there's, there's an awful lot of folks that are going to come out and it's going to be come to a place where we're going to look and we're going to say, you know, I wish that I had shared the gospel with that individual. I wish that I had shared the gospel, that I had given him the simple truth that Jesus died, that he was buried and he rose again for their sins. I believe there's going to be an awful lot of folks that we're going to come along and come come through and, and when we get to heaven we're going to look and go, wait a minute, oh my lands, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. God told me to go. God told me to go. And I went, but I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I once read the story of Archibald Boyle, a leading member of an association of, of uh, wild and wicked men known as the Hell Club. Uh, in Glasgow, Scotland. And after one night of, of carousing at uh, the club's notorious annual meeting, Boyle dreamed up he was riding at home on, on his black horse, and in the darkness someone seized the reins, shouting, You must go with me. And as Boyle desperately tried to force the reins from the hands of the unknown guide, the horse reared. Boyle fell down, down and down with increasing speed. Where are you taking me? The voice replies hell the echoes and the groans and yells of fanatic assaulted his ears and at the entrance of hell Boyle saw the inmates chasing the same pleasures they had pursued in life and there was a lady he'd known play, playing her favorite vulgar game and Boyle relaxed thinking hell must be a pleasurable place after all and when he asked her to rest a moment he showed uh, a moment and, and showed him through the pleasures of hell. She shrieked, there's no rest in hell. She unclasped the vest of her robe and displayed a coil of living snakes writhing about her midsection. And others revealed different forms of pain in their hearts. And Take me from this place, he demanded. By the living God, whose name I have so often outraged, I beg you, let me go. His guide replied then, but in a year and a day we meet to part no more. At this, Boyle woke and feeling the last words were the letters of fire burned into his heart. And despite a, a resolution never to attend Hell Club again, he, he soon was drawn back and he found no comfort there. He he grew haggard and, and gray until the weight of his conscience and the fear of the future. He dreaded attending the club's annual meeting. But his commandments forced him to attend and every nerve of his body was full of agony. At the first sentence of the president's opening address, Gentlemen, this is a leap year. Therefore, it is a year and a day since our last meeting. 
After the meeting, he mounted his his horse to ride home, and next uh, uh, the next morning, his horse was found grazing by the roadside. A few yards away lay the corpse of Archibald Boyle, white as the gate. He had all the warning in the world, and yet, white as the gate that leads to hell and destruction. Broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereafter. It's the destination of a ruined life. Jesus also talked about straight and a narrow way. It's a redeemed way. That's verse number 14 of our text. Because straight is the gate, narrow is the way which leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. The Bible says in John 3, 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. You look and you say, Jesus said in John 10, 28, I give unto them eternal life, that they shall never perish, they sh neither shall any man pluck them out of my Father's hand. This way may be straight and narrow, but the decision and the destination is eternal. The broad way leads to hell, but the narrow way leads to heaven. One leads to destruction and the other to life. One leads to a ruin, but the other to a redeemed. I can't help but go, which road are we on? Which path are we on? Which one would you prefer? And have you pointed anyone to? Which path are we pointing to? Yeah, you go preacher. <laughs> I, I get this. Most of us have been in church long enough to say, I get there's a wide way that leads to hell and there's a narrow path that leads to life everlasting. I also go, wait a minute, if there's a wide path and there's a narrow one, then I need to help folks find the narrow path. I've got to help folks find that narrow path. Let me encourage the narrow path. You know what, I also believe there are an awful lot of folks that, <laughs> that the wide path is so crazy wide that there are folks in churches today that they've not put their faith and their trust in Jesus. Maybe they've gone so many times, they've been there so many times, but they've never completely placed their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus and said, here's my heart, hear me. And I find it amazing. I had somebody here not too long ago tell me, that you don't believe that old-time-fashioned religion, do you? said, yes, I do. I believe that old-time fashion religion. I do believe that 2,000 years ago he hung on a cross for me, that he shed his blood for me, that when he hung on that cross, I was on his mind, that when, he, when they buried him, that three days later he rose again and he conquered sin, hell, and the grave for me, that I could have a home in glory land. I do believe in that old time religion. And you know what? I still believe. And I still look back and I go, I, yeah. Because what do you have? I remember they asked me this. said, do you still believe that? And I go, yeah. I said, what are you believing in to get you to heaven? 
I figure if you're going to be so bold to ask me, I'm going to say, yes, I do, and I do believe all these things. I sure do. And what do you what do you trust in to get to heaven? I believe everybody can be, get there by doing their good works. I said, you know what? I said, just this verse right here. Wide is the gate that leads to hell and destruction. And there's a little path. That old-time religion that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again for, for us. You must look forward to. I said, I look forward to the resurrection day. I sure do. I sure do. Because he rose for me. And there's going to be another one. There's going to be another one. There's going to be a day when the trump sounds and the dead in Christ are going to rise and we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up together to meet him in the air. Woo! Out of here. But you know what? That's not everybody. Some good intentioned people are going to mess up. So our job right now is to share. I can't make their decision for them. Wide is the gate. Narrow are those who find it. Let's lead them that direction. Let's lead them that direction. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you. I thank you for this portion of Scripture. Lord, I thank you for the, the, the reminder. There are so many folks. Lord, we, we live our life in, in such a way that, that, that they've just walking down the wide road. Just kind of wandering. Lord, I ask that you'd help us to reach out there and, and say, come on, let me show you the path. Let me show you the way. Lord, they'll have to choose. They'll choose whether they're going to get on that ramp or not. They're going to have to choose. Lord, we've got to give them the opportunity. That's the go in the gospel. That's the go in Matthew 28. And Lord, I ask that you help us. Help us to be bold. Lord, move our hearts today. And maybe today we need to come before you and just get on our knees and say, Lord, here we are. Whatever the case, Lord, I ask that every day to be mindful there's there's a wide gate there are a lot of people walking on a lot of people walking in that path Lord help us to help them trickle off onto the narrow way help us to point them to you and Father we pray these things in Jesus name Amen. let's stand our heads bowed our eyes closed I want to give us an opportunity to come today a time of invitation. As the Lord speaks to our hearts, will we come? Will we get on our knees today and say, Lord, here's my heart. As he leads, will you do so?
Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Speak, mold, and move us today as you see fit. Grow us this week as we go about our business, Lord, and as we go about serving you. And Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Let me remind you, offering plates are there in the back on the table. Yes, there they are. Uh, back there on the table. So I want to encourage you on our way out today. Take care of it. I uh, also want to encourage you.